0: All right, so um, I hope you have a handout. Man, I am excited uh, to be able to be a part of this and uh, be able to 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 be able to just, the opportunity to just present. Dang it, I'm emotional, dude. Just the word of God. We just sang to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he's worthy, and he gave us this amazing book so that we could know it. And uh, man, we're getting ready to get into it. And uh, so... Man, I've had people say, hey, can you share a little bit what's going on Iola? And Man, I'm all about that. Seek me out. We just don't have time to get into that. Let me Just suffice it to say, I'm thankful for the prayers. Um, God is moving. Souls are getting saved. Just had another one get saved last night. And uh, people, man, praise the Lord. Man, we've been praying for that girl for over seven years since she met Christ last night. Um, uh, um, she's, she's jumping into Casa Discipleship Sunday. She's like jumping right all up in there, and so, man, this is just, man, God is moving in Iola. For those of you who don't know, my name's Tony, Um, one of the pastors of Harvest Baptist Church in Iola, Kansas, not Blue Springs. We're the OG, just so you know. We're We're the originals, right? So, uh, God, is, God is moving there, uh, God's growing our church, and we bought an old bowling alley, we're remodeling it. Thank you to those of you who have helped supply it, um, helped uh, literally pray, sweat, and bleed uh, with us, and we're grateful God is using it, and we're already somewhat outgrowing it. So praise the Lord for that, right? God is moving. All right, so y'all ready to get in the book? So Mark chapter 7 is where I need you to be. Um, I'm going to carry water around if that's all right. So if somebody wants to find me, check this out. We call that resourceful. <laughs> all right, Mark chapter seven is uh, where I want to be. So the 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 kind of the the focus of where we're going to be as a. Uh, as uh, th- this retreat has been English Bible Exit Jesus. And they said, hey, Tony, want you to come up and want you, want you to preach. I said, okay, what's the title? What's, what's the topic? Well, it's Bible study. And that's all I got. That's all. I mean, that's it. Well, what do you do with that? Right? And then I just, as I was praying about it and considering it, I was thinking, okay, there's a whole lot of people that want to jump in and study their Bible, and they don't really have know how to read it. They don't even have to properly understand what it means to even have a quiet time, right? And so I'm, I'm just praying about all these things and wrapping my mind around it, and so I thought, man, what greater place to go than Mark chapter seven, and the sermon title is Jesus and some hypocrites had a Bible study. Right? Jesus and some hypocrites had a Bible study, and you guys know churches are full of hypocrites. This place is full of hypocrites, and we, we hear the word hypocrite, we often think, Um, says one thing does the other and biblically the word hypocrite typically means pretender or actor right one who puts on a show well that never happens at an all church retreat does it because here's here's what i know many of us were praising and lifting our hands in praise and some of us were trying to show off to the neighbor next beside us that's called the hypocrite y'all y'all with me and so we're going gonna, we're gonna dive, to dive into this thing, and I so appreciate Dan starting us off last night talking about the importance of reading the Bible distinctly, right? And so what we're going to do is we're going to just exegete the passage, and then show a little bit of different Bible study uh, aspects that might just help you out, and uh, we got a lot of ground to cover, and I am pumped. Y'all ready? All right, I feel like I need to pray again. Lord, we just need you. Lord, I pray that you would speak. And uh, have your way in us um, in, this, in this passage. Lord, I pray that we'd be changed by it. Lord, that we, our worlds would be rocked by it. Lord, that we'd be healed by it. Lord, that we'd be cut by it. Lord, we need you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. All right, so those, so maybe there's some people in the room that says, you know what? I'm still trying to figure out this whole Bible thing. I'm reading it, and, and I don't get it. I feel like I read sometimes, and I feel like I've, I've just spent 30 minutes, and I have no idea what I read. That if... You don't need to raise your hand, but I guarantee there's somebody in the room that says, yo, that's kind of me, man. All right, well, maybe before we get to the notes, it's gonna be a minute before we get to the notes because I'm just kind of one of those guys, right? So maybe if you're into taking notes, you might wanna write something down that truly helped me. It's people, plot, point, practice, pray. That's how I do my quiet time. When I spend time with the Lord, I open wherever I am in my text. Like right now, I'm reading reading through uh, Romans and I'm enjoying it. And so um, I, I just read people, plot, point, practice, pray. Who are the people? Who, who's being written about? Who's doing the writing? What's the context, right? Uh, people, plot, what's happening? What's, the, what's happening in the story? What's the point? What's the doctrinal application? What's the, what's the teaching? Why, why is this even in my Bible? Uh, practice, how do I begin to apply that? How do I apply my life to these truths? And then pray. Oh, we missed that one, don't we? Am I the only one who does that, right? So we, we often miss that when pray, take it right back to the Lord, right? He gave us his word. We need to take, take his word back to him in prayer. And that, let me just tell you, when I began to apply that just in my quiet times, man, it's began, I began to begin to see things in the scriptures in a completely different way. And oftentimes, I think, many of us, we open our Bibles and we We get in our little coffee spot, we get our little comfortable spot, and we open our Bible, and we just read. But that's all we're doing. We're not reading distinctly. And so maybe this will help you. To what it means to read the Bible distinctly is to read with inflection. I love that he was talking about reading to punctuation. So important. Because this is how we typically, not we, this is how many of us typically read our Bibles. Y'all ready? Mark chapter seven, verse one. Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem, and when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with the filed, that is to say, unwashing hands, they found fault for the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they washed their hands off, eat, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. What did we just read? I have no idea. Because you word you read words. Then when we, we when we come to the word of God, we should read with inflection. We should come with expectation for God to speak to us. But not just that, we should come with the intention to apply what God has said. And when you have those perspectives, man, that changes everything, doesn't it? All right. So Mark chapter seven verse one. Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem, and when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled. That is to say, with unwashing hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands, oft eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be which they have received to hold, as the washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels and, and of tables. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashing hands? And he answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you, hypocrites, as it is written, this people honoreth me with their lips, but with their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do." All right, so there's a lot going on there. I just want to begin to unpack this thing, but uh, another help for you as you are reading your Bible, as you're having your quiet time and certain things begin to pop out, pay attention to key words and phrases in Scripture because that's gonna help you break down the word of God and help you understand it better, right? So pay attention to key words and phrases, this reoccurring concepts or even juxtapositions, right, where where scripture does that. So let me kind of give you a couple examples of that and I don't know, maybe you caught on to the word tradition or the word traditions. It shows up a few times in this text. The first time it shows up is in verse three at the end of the verse, where he talks about the tradition of the elders. Verse five, he talks about the tradition of the elders. In in verse eight, he talks about them holding the tradition uh, of of men. And then verse nine, he talks about um, keeping your own tradition. And then over here in verse 13, he talks about your tradition. And you just begin to process, well, I think tradition just might be an important thing here, right? Because often, here's what happens, um, we say we're studying the Bible or we, we, we are getting into the word of God or we're even preaching and the danger is we're not preaching the word of God, we're proclaiming our own tradition and what a dangerous place that would be. And don't pretend that it doesn't happen because it's easy to say Jesus and some hypocrites had a Bible study and you go, yeah, sick them until you realize it's You. You're the hypocrite. I'm the hypocrite at times. I'm guilty of this. It just convicts me. An, another word that, that I want you to see is the word hold or the word holding. Look at verse, verse 3. He says they're holding the tradition. Look at verse 4. He says they receive to hold the this stuff. Look at verse, verse 8 again. They hold the tradition of men. But they went from holding it to look verse 9. They're keeping your tradition. Skip down to verse thirteen. They're delivering uh, the tradition. So they went from holding it to to hold it to, to keeping it to they're delivering it, right? So there's a there's a process, there's a progress uh, of things happening here. So there's a juxtaposition I want you to see as well. Look with me here in uh, verse seven. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of who. Men, verse eight, for laying aside the commandment of who? God. So you get this commandment of men, you get the commandment of God. In other words, you're saying this and God is saying this. And so all we did there is we read with inflection. Uh, we, we, we came with expectancy. I pray that you've come with expectancy for God to speak into you, for God to speak um, through his word into your heart. But I also pray that you've come with the idea that you're gonna read distinctly because you have the distinct intention to apply what we hear today. Not just in our daily life, but in our Bible studies and everything, everything that we do. Now, I told you it's gonna be a second before we get into the notes, but let me kind of help us out just another way to view this passage is historically, doctrinally, and personally. Now, historically, historically, if you're gonna find that. We're not gonna break that down entirely. We'll do that here in just a few seconds. But really, verses three to five is kind of gonna give you this historical application. Verses six to seven is this is the doctrinal application. And then verses eight to thirteen is the the in the personal or devotional or spiritual, however you, whatever word it is that you use in that. But the historical application is here's the context: is that lives are dictated by tradition instead of the scripture. That's the historical application of this passage. Lives are being dictated by tradition instead of the scripture. But here's the doctrinal application you're gonna find in verses six and seven, we'll get to that in a few moments, is that lives should be dictated by scripture instead of tradition. It's the opposite of that, isn't it? That's the doctrinal implication, is that our lives should be dictated by scripture instead of tradition, and not just scripture, but the scripture, amen? Not just scripture, but the scripture. We'll get to that here in just a few moments. But then you also have an application over here in verses eight to 13, where you have individuals who are tempted to justify their tradition by just simply rejecting biblical authority. And that's what's going on here. All right, so everybody kind of feel like you got a feel of it? An idea where we're going? Because man, it's hard to just jump into a text sometimes. I think we, we need to get a bird's eye view of it. So let me kind of set the stage in verses one and two. You have the, the Pharisees and you got some of the scribes showing up and you have Jesus and his disciples as kind of the, the people, right? And, and the plot is that they've, they've interacted now and what you're going to find is you're, we're going to juxtapose a hypocritical ministry with a biblical ministry and that's what you're finding in verses one and two is you have um, hypocritical ministry colliding with biblical ministries and it happens all the time, doesn't it? Remember, hypocritical means pretenders. It means actor. It means saying. It, it means they they're implying something uh, when in reality there's no depth to it. A biblical um, uh, a, a biblical ministry is saying, "No, I'm going to follow the living word of God and the." hypocritical ministry is gonna be saying, no, I'm gonna be following others who read the word of God at one point in time or they're armed with the word of God, right? So there's a big, big, big difference there. All right, so here's your first point for study. Here's your first blank that I want you to get, and we're gonna see this in verses three to five, is how do we identify a hypocritical ministry? How do we identify a hypocritical ministry. Maybe off to the side, you might wanna write down, am I leading a hypocritical ministry? Am I a leader of a hypocritical ministry? Please, ask yourself this question. Because we have to identify what that looks like. All right, so verse three, Mark does a great job of kind of giving us this historical application, understanding what's happening, verse three. He says, for the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands oft, eat not, why? They're holding the tradition of the elders. Here's your next point, is that here's how you identify hypocritical ministry, is they hold tradition in a place of authority. They hold tradition in a place of authority. In other words, tradition dictates their life. The church culture dictates their life instead of the word of God. Oh, be careful. Be careful. They hold tradition in a place of authority. Man, we say, no, no, we hold the Bible as authority. Okay, but we're asking the question, am I, am I leading a biblical ministry? Am I leading a hypocritical ministry? Are people holding tr- tradition, or are they holding to the culture of the church, or are they holding the word of God as the authority? Which, what, what is it? What's dictating their life and practice? And then you get to verse four. It says, and when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And every germaphobe mom in here is going, what's wrong with that? Right? What's so wrong with washing your hands? Um, I mean, it's a pretty good idea, isn't it? And We just went through a season where we're told to wash our hands. I'm sitting in, in, the, in the lunchroom, din- dining room, what do you call that place? Where we eat. I'm sitting in there, and I'm watching people run by, and they're squirting their hands with the... With the I'm struggling with words today. <laughs> struggling, but they're they're like, what's wrong with that? Well, there's nothing wrong with that. The implication is here is that when you're following the Lord and the living Word of God, there's liberty to serve. That's the implication. And here they are. They're serving and they're eating because they're, they're at liberty because they're walking with the Lord, and they're following Him as the authority. And there's freedom to serve. Oh, man, well, that's that's great. But notice in verse four is that they're, if they haven't washed their hands, they're not eating. And then it says, and many other things there be. So that's just an illustration. That's just an example. But then he says this, which they have, what's the next three words? Oh, they were, they were given that. They received a hold. So here's your next point is that they hold tradition in a place of authority because they receive tradition instead of the word of God. Well, I can't believe they're such a traditional, there's such a legalist, there's such a this, there's such a that. Why are they that way? Because somebody put it in their hand. It didn't happen by accident. Somebody gave them tradition instead of the word of God. Someday, somebody gave them culture, church culture, instead of the word of God. It didn't just happen by accident. So if that's an issue in the church... It didn't come from the bottom up. It came from the top down. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down. This is important to get because they received to hold it. Somebody in authority put it in their hands. And let me just tell you, I'm gonna have a little commercial break just for a moment because we need to have a chat. This is why so many young people are walking away from a quote unquote the faith. They are walking away in droves. Why? Because all they see is the hypocrisy. They see right through it. And there's nothing attractive to that. There's nothing. All right, so let's go to the next commercial. Because this is why a lot of people left the church or they left the faith during the COVID season as well. It's not necessarily because the health issues or the political issues. It wasn't any of that. It was when they realized my life is no different with the church or without the church. There's no difference in my life whatsoever. If I'm not in a pew, if I'm not in the Sunday school class, if I'm not being sitting under the teaching and preaching, if I'm not in the praise team, my life is no different on Tuesday with or without it. And so if there's no difference in my life without the church, without the ministry, then what's the point? And I would say, amen. What is the point? Because that isn't church, that's not Christianity, that's not biblical ministry for sure. Y'all y'all with me? We, every church has had it. We, I'm thinking of a couple in our church right now. Well, they haven't been there in a long, long time. We reach out, well, they just, they just don't miss it. Well, somewhere... They received tradition instead of the Bible. And I, I, I take that. I, I, somewhere along the way, they, they received the whole tradition. Because um, what's happening is they're not really typically, and this happens in, in pockets for sure, but when, when everybody's leaving in droves, they're not usually walking away from the word of God or the God of the word. They're walking away from weird obsessions with buildings and furniture, and they're they're walking away from music styles, and they're they're walking away from dress codes, and mom and dad's Sunday Christianity, right? Mom and dad whooping on them on the way to church. Walk inside, Jesus. Get in the car. Well, who wants a part of that? You ought to serve God. Oh, like you? No, thank you. They see right through it. It's a lie, and I can't believe they left the faith. No, they left your tradition. They haven't seen the faith in a long time. I thought we were doing Bible next to Jesus. Yeah, we are, because that's what went wrong. Somewhere along the way, the tradition became the message instead of the word of God. And here's the reality. is that it's easy for people to trade in one tradition for another set of traditions. Because you know as well as I do, you don't leave something without going towards something else. And people will always trade in one tradition for another one. Right? So they leave the faith and they run to NFL football right? Or they leave the faith or they run to another, oh, cult or whatever it might be. And it happens all the time. Well, that would never happen in our ministry. That, was, that could never happen in a perfect environment. Oh, contraire. Now, here's another Bible study tip for us. is we need to at times as we're reading text to learn or glean from another portion of scripture, not just in cross reference, but learning from an example in the Old Testament, right? So 1 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us it's written for our learning that we might learn, And so let's go get an illustration of this in Genesis chapter three. And here's another thing. It's not on the screen, you're gonna have to flip the pages. Oh, I'm that old dude that likes like hard copy stuff because I'm kind of a conspiracy dude and I just think one day they could just push a button and I lose, lose my Bible on my phone, right? So get me my hard copy and here's what frustrates me. I'm just getting on my soapbox. This just frustrates me when people who have been saved and they've been discipled and they still can't tell you where to find a book of the Bible unless they've got it in their phone. Man, handle the word of God. All right, sorry, back to our original programming. I feel better. Everybody over 40 said except Brandon. He's kind of that techie dude, you know, except him. Alright, so Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, you guys know you're familiar with your Bible. In Genesis chapter 2, God's put Adam in the garden, dress it and keep it, freely eat, you know, all the stuff. And hey, except for that tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Hey, don't you don't you eat that one. The original version of the Bible is pretty (laughs) awesome. Eat and reproduce forever. I could get behind that, man. (laughs) All about it. (laughs) Right? So you know, you know, I'm all about it. But Adam gets, the, gets this commandment from God. It's expected from Adam to make sure that it gets to the hands of the next generation. And you get to chapter three, Eve is now on the scene. The serpent shows up. You guys know this, you've been through this. The serpent shows up, verse one. He's asking, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Question mark, right? We can get all to all that. And notice what happens. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye. Tradition. Tradition. Somewhere along the line, the the original said, Don't eat. Somewhere along the line, they thought, Man, it would be a lot better, a lot easier if we just didn't touch that tree. And so they added tradition to it. Now here's what's crazy to me, is Satan doesn't come to Adam because he doesn't ever go to the original. He always goes after the preserved word, doesn't he? So he comes to Eve, the preserved word of God, and begins to attack the preserved word of God. And what does Eve do? She begins to quote not just the Bible, but she quotes tradition, and her authority is no longer in the word of God. Her authority is in her tradition. And Satan's like got her on the ropes, man. This is awesome. And so it gets her eyes off of it. She begins to see the the tree. And then it says in verse 6 And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she what? What's the next word? She touched it, didn't she? she took it what's the point we're trying to make it's easy to transfer one tradition for another tradition when that's your authority because if that's your authority you really you're the authority and so what she do she touches it and then eats it all right so come back over here to mark chapter 7 so learn from biblical examples go to the old testament go and learn give get some illustrations for what's happening what's happening in the text that you're reading and studying But man, oh man, can we get this? we got to be careful not to pass down tradition to the next generation. There should have been a whole room full of amens right there. We must be careful not to pass down tradition to the next generation. Man, we we got to be careful not to do that. Oh, we don't do that. Oh, really? You do it with your King James Version, you do. Oh, where's she going with that? I'm a King James guy. I believe it's the, it's the Word of God in my English language. And yet you got a whole lot of people carrying King, King James Bibles because they saw somebody with the King James Bible, not because they know it's the Word of God. It's a tradition to them. They haven't studied it out. They haven't looked it at. They haven't done the work. And so they've been given tradition. happens in discipleship all the time, doesn't it? We throw the word discipleship, doom, 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 da-doom, 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 da-doom. It's part of the church culture. It's part of this. It's part of that. And people get involved. They do the COD, and they get involved in the discipleship. They do it, and it's a program. What happened? They received tradition. Well, What's wrong with my King James Bible and my discipleship? Absolutely nothing, as long as it's driving us to the word of God. What about reading my Bible? Oh, I'm guilty of this one. Back in the day, I would read my Bible so I wasn't a liar when I showed up to church and somebody asked me what I'd been reading. <laughs> uh, 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 Psalm 12. Yeah, I read Psalm 12 about 45 seconds ago because I ain't a liar. <laughs> it's tradition, man. It was tradition. Our prayer services, are this, our that, And what we find is that people are doing a lot of these things because they're playing the part because they just, that's what they've received to hold. That may not be what you're putting out but that's what they received to hold. In other words, I've got my wide margin Bible, I've done discipleship, I've done this and what's really happening on the inside is I really hope that leader saw that. And they do it for show and tradition because they want to please a leader instead of the Lord. And if you don't think this happens, you got another thing coming. The guy who's, ladies, guys are players. <laughs> Can I get an amen? amen. Say, what what? Preach that. They're players. <laughs> oh, that guy you're sitting next to is so spiritual, got his wide margin Bible, got some notes in there, got some things highlighted. He was moved by the spirit. You know what he was moved by? You! He's moved by you. I hope she sees how spiritual I am. I can't wait for him to shut up so I can get to that altar because I want her, man. It's a show. It's tradition. Be careful. We have to make sure that we're always taking people back to the word of God. When When the Pharisees came and they asked a question, chapter 7, verse 5, and the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashing hands? Why are you not doing the things the way that everybody does it? Why are you not doing the way that we do it? What comes out of Jesus' mouth? Word. He comes right back to the Word of God. All right, so here's the next point. Number Verse 5, here's the next point. is They hold tradition in a place of authority. Why? Because they want to hold the place of authority. That is a hypocritical ministry. A hypocritical ministry holds tradition in a place of authority because they want to hold the place of authority instead of the word of God. If you go back to verses one and two, you would see that their mission is to enforce tradition. It says that they found fault Their mission is to enforce tradition. In verses three and four, you see that their method is to hold tradition. Instead of of getting the word of God, I love how Sam talks about this all the time, they're holding services. What's that look like? That's just holding tradition. That's all it is. Let's get together. Let's sing. Let's do our thing. Let's let's fist bump. Let's get our hallelujah on. Let's go home. Unchanged tradition. Let's go home and let's read our Bibles and let's do our thing. And unchanged as That's tradition. And so that's their method, and then you get to verse five. What is it? Their message is now to pre- preach tradition. No mention of the word of God. Oh, we gotta be in the book, amen? amen. All right, verse six. He answered and said of them, well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites. Jesus is gangster, dude. I mean, this is hardcore. I couldn't get away with this. I'm not a fighter. If I call somebody a hypocrite, I might might get popped in the nose. And I'm a wimp, I'll cry. (laughs) Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites as it is written. Oh, man, I love this. This people honoreth me with their lips. But their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines, commandments, of men. You know what Jesus just did? He took an Old Testament passage that applied in that moment when Isaiah wrote it, and he said, No, it applies also to you prophetically and doctrinally. He just did a little Bible study, didn't he? He says, historical doctrinally, now you need to apply something. He went historical, doctrinal, inspirational in an instant. Just by quoting one verse and calling him a hypocrite. Woo! That's called Bible study, man. That's hardcore. That is absolutely amazing. All right, so we asked the question, how do we identify hypocritical ministry? Here's the next question. How do we identify a biblical ministry? You're like, finally, let's get to that one. Well, maybe off to the side, you might want to write, am I leading a biblical ministry? Am I I leading a hypocritical ministry or am I leading a biblical uh, ministry? All right, so I need some help. All right, so... Um, Eric Phillips I need you up here please come on up Um, let's see I uh, need Sam Miles right here please Eric Phillips right here I need Sam Miles right here just for a moment just for a moment Sam if you want me to punt I can grab James it don't matter come on up you already moved come on up just just right there this won't take long requires no words did you get that no words okay right here Hypocritical ministry. <laughs> biblical ministry. So on your sheet, you have a little line. Yeah, biblical ministry on one side, hypocritical ministry on the other. It, over here. Yeah, that's how it works. Okay. Right? It's on the page. Hypocritical. Biblical. Now, I want you to see something. Come with me to the text. This just helps with our eyes, right? Verse 6. Verse 6. He says, this people honoreth me with their lips. How do I know the difference? Well, the hypocrite leader says, I want your songs. I want you to be honoring me with their lips. So the Bible says they're honoring me with their lips, but the hypocritical guy, the hypocritical leader, he's excited about what's coming out of your mouth, but he doesn't care whether God gets it or not. Because you know what he wants? This guy wants our songs he wants our boisterous praise he, he wants an expressions and he wants energy and did you know there are churches who plan that and orchestrate that not because they want God to get the praise but they want everybody to have an experience while the biblical leader the biblical says no I want God I want God to be magnified. I want God to get the praise. I want his name to be honored, not the performance. Notice this, this people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So the hypocritical ministry, this guy says, no, I don't necessarily want your heart, but I want your actions. I want you to fake it till you make it, right? I I don't want your heart. I want your effort. I want your emotion. I want to know that you're tearing up. I want to know that you're celebrating. I want to know that you're smiling. I want to know that you felt something. You had church, man. It's gross, isn't it? It's disgusting. Not you. But the biblical leader, no, God... The biblical leader leads you so that God has your heart. And the only way to do that is through the Word of God. Because God does that through the inside out, doesn't He? And so he says, but their heart is far from me. Verse 7, you're almost, I'm almost done with you guys. Verse 7, howbeit in vain do they worship me? Uh oh. Howbeit in vain do they worship me? Where the hypocritical leader wants will worship wants demonstration, wants show. In other words, wants to sit back with a, with a tally mark and evidence of what he's doing and not doing. Legalism flows from this. Well, the biblical leader um, wants God to get the worship. And what is worship? It is not praise, it is not song. Worship is the bowing down of my will and my life in obedience to the King of kings and the Lord of lords because we understand that he is worthy, isn't he? He is worthy of praise. He is also worthy of our lives. So, another Bible study tip would be um, you guys can have a seat. Go ahead. Go ahead. I use those illustrations because Sam is the exact opposite of a hypocritical minister. The amount of times he prays and cries and weeps and begs you to, 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 to fall to the knees and serve the Lord and get in his word. Now use Eric. Man, I, I love, and I use that word on purpose. I do, I truly enjoy when you're leading God's people to the throne because I don't see you, I see the Lord and I'm grateful for that. We need leaders like that. Another aspect of helping us study our Bibles is to use cross-references. I only really have one on the screen for you. is Colossians chapter two. Colossians chapter two in verse 20 to 23, says, Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances, touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. After the what? Commandments and doctrines of men. Sound familiar? Which things have indeed a, what's the next word? Show. It's a show. A show of what? It shows wisdom. Oh, it looks like this person's got it all figured out. It's a demonstration of wisdom. No, no, it's, it's will worship. It's fake. It's fraudulent. It's not real. It is empty and humility and neglecting of the body and not any honor to the satisfying of what? Oh. How do you know what is real worship or fake worship? Is when your flesh was pleased, it wasn't real. If it hurts and your flesh is unpleased, God's moving, baby. That's where the Lord is moving. And some of us, if we're not careful, we're going to mess up quoting our Bibles and doing our Bible study leading and leading our ministries and leading our, our whatever it may be and what their people are receiving to hold is tradition because that's what you're preaching instead of the Word of God. Well, how can you say that? Well, look at the last part of verse seven. Teaching for doctrines, equating what's coming out of your mouth with what's coming out of God's mouth. Teaching for doctrines for doctrines, the commandments of men. In other words, the hypocritical minister wants you to submit to their words. Well, how do you know whether it's a hypocritical ministry or not? Here's how. Don't keep flipping your page yet. Well, how do you know? When people begin to quote the leader instead of the word of God. When they're quoting their pastors, and they're walking like their pastors, and they're talking like their pastors. Now, hear that. Hear that well, right? Sometimes it's wise to be quoting and and emulating. There's some wisdom in that, but hear what I'm saying well. Because we have ministries where people are quoting pastors or they're quoting media or they're quoting social media influencers or they're quoting politicians instead of God. Be careful. Be careful. Because a biblical leader says no I want you quoting the word of God because you're obeying the word of God and I'm leading you towards that. All right, so let me just take you to another way that I like to do my own personal Bible study, as in verses six and seven. Let's kind of look at this again. But one of my favorite things to do is to actually meditate on the word of God. You know what that means? You stop inputting and you just take what God just gave you and you chew on it. That's what it means. You meditate on the word of God. So here's what I did. I took verses six and seven and I just said, okay, I just want to chew on this. I want to meditate on this. And let me just share some things that God showed me just in this verse that may help you. Because here's the next point is how do we remain a biblical ministry? Because if we're taking a a a hypocritical ministry or a biblical ministry. I I don't want to go this way. I want to become a biblical ministry or I want to remain a biblical ministry. Well, how do I do that? Well, here's a simple answer to this before we get any further. It's don't let go of the word of God. Don't let go. And people are letting go of the word of God all the time. They are dropping like flies, man. They're bouncing on the word of God. Now, here's what I love about this. Just slow down and, and think about this. Let this bake your noodle just for a moment. The gospel of Mark. So Mark is writing. So you have the written word of God. That's the gospel of Mark. Is telling us about the living word of God. That's Jesus expounding on the written word of God. That's the book of Isaiah. That's what's happening in, this, in these two verses. The written word of God is telling us about the living word of God expanding on the written word of God. Woo, that's pretty awesome to me. I really, really like that. And here's what he's quoting. is quoting Isaiah 29, verse 13. Isaiah 29, verse 13 says this, Wherefore, the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth, and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Sound familiar? That's kind of what he just said here in verses 6 and 7. Now, think about this for a moment. Well hath Isaiah said verse 6. When he prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written. Jesus is not calling them to the original copy of the book of Isaiah. Is he? Cuz the original copy of Isaiah has been written a long time ago, but it's understood he's when he's quoting the book of Isaiah, he's understanding that they have access to that verse and that they would know that it was there, was it tell me that Jesus believed the word of God is preserved. So how do I remain a biblical ministry? Well, then hold on to the preserved word of God. Hold on to the preserved word of God. But it's not just that. He says, well, hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites. In other words, it applied then, but it's also prophetic or doctrinal to this moment where Jesus is having them and having a conversation with them, having a Bible study with hypocrites. It applies in that very moment. And you know what it says? Well, hath Isaiah said, in other words, it's 100% accurate, the prophecy that Isaiah made way back in Isaiah chapter 29, it tells me that Jesus believed the word of God was perfect. So hold on to the perfect word of God. Hold on to the perfect word of God. But he didn't stop there. He took it a step further. He speaks into them with authority. He says, You guys are spitting doctrines of men, commandments of men. You need to be quoting the Word of God. So here's what it tells me that Jesus believed the Word of God was authoritative. Well, how do I know that? Because anything that would have come out of Jesus' mouth would have been the Word of God. Right? So if it would have been the Word of God, anything that comes out of his mouth would have been it but he just took us back to what was written. Thus saith the Lord. Oh, he believed it was authoritative to that moment. It speaks into life and to practice. Now here's what I don't want you to hear. I do not want you to hear the Bible is really, really important. That's not what I'm saying. The Bible is the authority of your life. It's worthy of study. It's worthy of reading. It's worthy of spending time in and not wasting Time. How many times have you read your Bible, been like, some of you are like in the camp of, I got to read five or six chapters a day because you feel spiritual, (laughs) right? You feel, I'm not in that camp because I can't comprehend, I can't process that much stuff. So I take it in little but smaller bites. That's just who I am. Um, But y'all have been there, you're sipping the coffee and you're reading, but you're thinking about the laundry and you're thinking about the kids and you're thinking about this and you're thinking about that and you missed out. You know what you just missed out on? the preserved, perfect authority of God's word. And you close your Bible instead of getting back into it and you walk in your tradition. Be careful. See so you know what this tells me? Mark is writing it. The written word of God is telling us about the living word of God. That's Jesus expanding on the written word of God. That's the book of Isaiah. But I'm reading it in English. Because I, Isaiah wrote it in Hebrew Jesus quotes it in Aramaic. Mark writes it down in Greek and I'm busting it in English. That's pretty amazing. I have the word of God in my language and I'm blessed because of it. And there are numerous languages in this world that do not have that luxury. Why would I, why would I take for granted what I have? Okay, we got a book. All right, last part, last part. This is it. Let's lay in this thing. Verses 8 to 13. 8 to 13. He says, For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such things like things you do and he said unto them full well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition and begins to turn it now onto them and begins to make it very personal very practical very inspirational and puts it onto them and all he's done is quote a verse Two. I mean that's all he's done And yet that's all the Bible study that they need. And so here's the question we need to ask is how do we become a hypocritical ministry then? Well, I'm not asking that. You better be asking that. Well, the question was how do we remain a biblical ministry? And the answer was don't let go of the word of God. How do I become, how do we become a hypocritical ministry? By putting the word of God down. It's pretty simple. Pretty simple. But in verse eight, he's talking about how they've laid aside, they've laid aside the commandment of God. Ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. All right, so here's your next point. So if you really want to become a hypocritical ministry or you want to protect yourself from becoming a hypocritical ministry, then I would just say this. Verse, number, here's your next point. Is that Start with removing God's authority in order to hold man's traditions. Start there. Just remove the God's authority. Lay it aside. I mean, you're not like done with it. You haven't like punted it yet, right? You just like laid it aside. It's like in your back seat, right? Never to be seen again till Sunday you read Psalm 12 real quick right you lay it aside why would I do that so you can hold so you can hold man's traditions because that's what he said ye hold you lay aside the commandment of God and you hold their tradition of men just like little kids you ever been around a little toddler who's got a little sippy cup got a little fire engine and his little diaper running around right Got the sippy cup, got the fire engine, and sees a toy the little Johnny has and wants that too. And then you see the conundrum. I'm not letting go of the sippy cup. I'm not letting go of the fire, hyd- fire engine. So you run over and you try to pick it both up and it doesn't work. Why? Because Johnny doesn't want you to have it. So he's pulling on it. And what does the little kid have to do? He has to make a decision. I'm going to lay down the good thing. So get this thing, in the midst of it, the sippy cup spilled all over the place, and it's a mess, and mom's screaming, and Johnny's busting head, and fire trucks are now bashing over to somebody else's head, right? <laughs> what do you have to do? Well, they had to pick it up, had to drop something to pick something else up. And I'm telling you, believers do it all the time. They're holding the word of God. They're studying the word of God and then something shiny shows up. Something's a little bit easier shows up. This is, this is a little bit different. Oh man, it'd be a lot easier if I took on this tradition of men. The only way you're gonna be able to pick that up is to lay this one aside. That's why some of us haven't been in the word of God in quite some time and it seems to be working for you. Tradition. You've laid it aside and you're worried about looking clean, and washing things, and many other such like things that you do, living a holy, clean life on the outside, and internally, you are an absolute wreck, man. You're a wreck. And so the focus is now on motions over God's message. You're enamored with ceremony, because it makes you feel special. It makes you feel holy, and Tradition, notice this. I want you to see this. And many other such like things ye do. So now tradition becomes just the way you do things. I do tradition. All right, so verse nine. And he said unto them, full well, you reject the commandment of God. Oh, I thought we were laying it aside. Yeah, you laid it aside, but now you're rejecting it. And he said unto them, full well, you reject the commandment of God. Why? That ye may keep your own tradition. Oh, went from holding to keeping, went from laying aside to rejecting. So here's your next blank, it's progress to rejecting God's authority in order to keep man's traditions. So instead of clinging to the preserved, perfect authority of God's word, you cling and preserve to traditions of your King James Bible and your discipleship and your praise and worship and all these things that look good. And I'm all for all of those things. I'm not anti those things. But I am anti those things being tradition. And that's why some of us are an absolute wreck. Lee was talking about those this morning. Great job, by the way. Killer. He was talking about those who feel like they're on the outside looking in. Like I'm missing out on what they've got. Well, because you're chilling with tradition and they're chilling with the word of God. They're growing and you're dying, man. No wonder you're a wreck. You laid it aside and now you're rejecting it. So now notice this. Notice this, verse nine. And he said, them, Full well you reject the commandment of God. Why? That ye may keep your own tradition. Who, I thought it was tradition of men. Who does it belong to now? Me. Now it's mine. So the focus is now on methods over God's message and tradition Becomes the only way I do things, and I do it. It's my tradition, it's my way. Leader, if people are always doing things your way, you're not leading. Amen. Oh, that's a lesson this guy's got to learn. Because so many times I expect everybody to be just like me and to do it the way that I do it. If I'm always getting my way, it ain't the right way. So now I'm owning tradition. And if I can take a page out of Alan Shelby's book, can I give you an experiential (laughs) exegesis? Because I, I think sometimes that's wise to do as well. And that's what Jesus does in verses 10 to 12. We'll do this quickly. In verses 10 to 12, you get an experience of Jesus because he says, for Moses said, and he's quoting Exodus, for Moses said, honor thy father and thy mother. And in another spot he, Who, whoso curseth father and mother, let him die the death. I mean, that's the law, that's what it says. Honor your parents, and if you're, if you're gonna curse them, let them die the death. And any Bible believer, any traditionalist would say, Amen. And that's what Moses said. But notice the next three words in verse 11. But ye say. God says, But you say. Yeah, but I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. Anytime you're saying I'm just, you're justifying. You're justifying behavior, you're justifying the decision. What did the word of God say? But ye say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is Corban, that is to say a gift. I love how the Bible just like defines itself. It's kinda cool, isn't it? That's another little Bible study tip for you. Let the word of God define itself. By whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother. So he uses this illustration. Mom and dad are having a hard time paying the light bill, right? Lights are getting ready to be shut off. There's no food in the fridge. You got some bank, right? And you, got, you decided, I'm going to take a gift to the Lord. And I'm going to offer it. And you see mom and dad struggling, and you're torn. Well, the hypocritical minister says, it's all about the money, money, money right it's all about the benjamins right bring me that money and so what the traditional ministry say i'm going to justify our behavior because really it's a spiritual way of spiritualizing it and saying okay i can do whatever i want to do and all jesus is giving them is an experiential exegesis of their life and revealing them what's really going on and how they take scripture and twist it to apply it to their tradition and what's happening he says you guys instead of taking care of mom and dad you're giving a sacrificial offering to the church that is wicked it's wicked but the but the hypocritical ministry says no it's it's right not according to scripture who's the authority Moses said but you say How do I line up with God's truth? And all right, let's land the plane, verse 13. Verse 13. By the way, some of you just heard, I don't have to give to the church if my mom and dad needs, stop now. You're justified, you're twisting scripture too. Listen, God's called you to give and be a supplier of the work and the ministry. He's talking about extra giving, right? Right? Above and beyond. You have responsibilities. Don't neglect them. Back to our original programming. Verse 13. Making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which ye have, what? Wait, wait a second. Can we go back over here? What does it say over here in verse 4? They received to hold it. And somewhere along the line, they went from receiving to hold it, to keeping it, to teaching it to delivering it so that's your next last blank if you want to become a hypocritical ministry end with replacing God's authority in order to deliver man's traditions so instead of proclaiming the word of God proclaim the words of man do that and the focus is no longer the focus is now on your message instead of God's message well, how do you know that's happening? Is when you're in a position to teach or to invest and to pour into somebody and all that's coming out your mouth is your, your words and not the word of God? Danger, 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 Will Robinson, run away! Everybody over 40 got that, everybody under 40. <laughs> After school, man, it was one of my favorites. Look it up. All right, so the focus is on your message instead of God's message. And then notice this. Making, verse 13, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition. Now it's yours. You own it. Which ye have delivered. In other words, you've passed it on to the next generation. And check this out. And many such like things do ye. Over and over again, he says that in this text. Tradition now becomes the only way you should do things. You go from tradition being the way I do things to the only way I do things to the only way you should do things. In ministries, that's how it becomes tradition. And some of us, we hear the word tradition, we think traditional. Traditional. It's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying. You can be hip and you can be cool and you can be all those things and still just be tradition and empty. Let's be students of the Word of God. Amen? Let's be students of the Word of God. All right, so I want to call you to respond. Remember how we started? Remember how we started? If we're going to read our Bibles, if we're going to come. to the Word of God, we need to come with an expectation, right? We need to actually interact with the Word of God, but our, also our expectation is to do it, to apply it. And I'm, I'm betting some of us have started to drift just a little bit. We didn't even know it. We didn't even know it. We just started to drift a little bit. Well, the word of God became less important than the point that I'm trying to make, right? And I'm using the word of God to make my point instead of letting the word of God make the point, right? So we gotta be careful. And maybe in our ministries, whether that's you're the pastor of the church or whether uh, you're, you're over, over the cleaning teams, it doesn't really matter. It's all ministry, right? We're not careful. We start calling people to a standard of our tradition instead of the standard of the word of God. It's time to humble ourselves and let's do business with the Lord. Some of us, it's time to just submit to the word of God. You've been coming and you've been a part of the singing and you've heard the discipleship and you've been playing the game. You've been doing the things. Just because you want to fit in, you want to look the part. You're a hypocrite. I got no other word for it. You're a hypocrite, but you don't have to be. You can be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You can follow the living God through this word. Could be that you don't even know Christ is your Savior. You need to be saved. You need to know Christ as Savior. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do quietly. No, talking. Let's stand together. Because we want to give people an opportunity to respond. So pastors, I need you where you need to be so people can come and find you. The reason we're standing is so that you're allowing people to get past you if they need to get past you, to get to where they need to be to get on their face before the Lord. Some of you, you need to know Christ. You need to get saved. Make a beeline to somebody who can open up the living word of God and share with you how you can know the living God. Some of us, we've been playing games. And we've been hiding. And you've drifted and become a hypocritical ministry leader. Or you've embraced tradition instead of the word of God. It's time to get that right. And deal with the Lord and allow the Lord to deal with us. So whatever God's doing in you, whatever God's showing you, some of you need to make a way up here and talk to somebody and pray. You need to pray where you are. Listen, I'm not trying to ask for a show. I'm not interested in that. I want you to do business with the Lord. please do business with God. Let me pray. I think there's going to be some music going on here in just a few moments. We're going to pray. You need to do business. Let's move now. Get where you need to be. Let's let's spend some time with the Lord. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your preserved word. Lord, I thank you for your perfect word. Lord, I thank you for the authority of the word of God. Lord, I thank you Lord, that we can have Bible study with you every single day because, Lord, I am embraced in my own hypocrisy at times, and every time I open up the word of God, you are having a Bible study with this hypocrite. And so, Lord, I pray in my own life, Lord, that you would draw me, draw Us into submission to you through your word. Lord, I pray for that soul or the souls who are in this room today who don't know you as Savior. Lord, I pray that you would not give them rest. Lord, I pray that they would step out and go find somebody that can open up your word so they can know you as Savior. Lord, I pray for that pastor. I pray for that leader. I pray for that Bible study leader. I pray for whoever that might be who is drifting off into tradition. I pray for that man or that woman who's trying to live a life to impress others instead of you. Lord, I pray that this would be a moment where they lay it all down and lay it down at your feet and call you Lord and be submitted to you. We ask all this in the name of Christ, I pray. Amen.